in the DAO world, you have an opportunity to, instead of picking one project, say, maybe I want to pick two or three. I don't necessarily advise you go pick 10, but my point is that like you can contribute to multiple and kind of build a portfolio. Hey friend, it's David Dubinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Kendall Shaw. Kendall works at Blockchain Capital as an investor. She also co-founded a DAO, Comorabi Fund, um, and DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. We talk about DAOs in this episode a bunch, what a DAO is, how it's structured, um, how some people are exploring the idea of working with DAOs, uh, and what that means for kind of career composition and more. Some some really exciting and innovative ideas shared here. So if you're interested in DAOs in this emerging field, uh, this episode is great for you. Um, as always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and front source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Kendall. Kendall, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I was curious, when was the first time you started kind of publicly writing or first newsletter post or first time you started like kind of creating your own body of work and what that was kind of like? Yeah. So um, in my current role right now, so I, I work at Blockchain Capital, which is a venture firm. Um, it's a much more like public facing role than anything I've previously done. So before this role, I had never really tweeted in my life. Um, I had a Twitter, but I never used it. And yeah, the concept of like, you know, publishing online always intrigued me. Like, you know, I was always following along blogs, but I never did it myself until um, about three years ago. Okay. I remember the first time I published the first episode and I was just like, Ooh, this, this feels, this feels different. This feels good. You know? And then I think yeah. kind of turned from con- consumer to uh, creator and publisher and stuff. And I think it's a kind of empowering feeling once you start. Yeah. I think what the biggest thing for me is that I, I love consuming content. Like, I feel like I'm one of those people that, you know, especially growing up, um, through college was always online, just like looking at like tech resources and read, like read tons of blogs and tons of essays and things like that. It just felt so, but it felt overwhelming to me, the idea that like I could add to the conversation. Right. I was like, there's so much out there already. That's so great. And, you know, I I didn't know if I could have anything to say that was going to add to the conversation, like original thought, you know, and then you start doing it and you realize that like, we're all kind of putting the pieces together. Everybody has something to say, but like, you know, nobody is hundred percent original or if you are like, that's great. <laughs> but like, that's not exactly, you know, what everybody's going for. So um, I, yeah, I found like the process of becoming a creator or like in some, in, in some ways publishing my work to just feel super empowering and just really, um, I don't know. It makes me think of like myself differently, I guess, online. Yeah. It's interesting. Right. And then, so, and then kind of the emerging technologies, blockchain, stuff like that, like this idea of like, as you're saying, like original thought, uh, original ideas, like original technology, like the ability to kind of build on top of ideas and build upon tech stacks, so to speak, to create something new. Uh, it seems like there's some kind of similarities there. Yeah. I think what I've, what I've started to learn more and more as I get older is that like, a lot of what you do is about finding connection points, remixing, adding your own like 
adding your own flair to. And I think that very much exists in the tech world, of course, but it also exists in like your personal career where um, there's all these like predefined paths that sometimes you choose to go down. But at the end of the day, like your career is your career. Like if you think of it as a product, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, And to me, that is super liberating, very fun. And I don't want to like, you know, sound like this person that like hyper optimizes my life. Like that's not what I go for, but I do think of it as something that it's, it's changing. It's fluid. I'm trying to deliver for myself and for the people in my life and like optimizing for things that matter to them and matter to me. And when you, when you position it that way, you just, I feel like there's a lot more freedom that comes from it. And I think that's very similar to how crypto works, very similar to how like publishing online works. Yeah. Um, has there, do you have a practice of kind of like evaluating the, the product, so to speak, uh, the product of yourself, uh, or, um, yeah, any, anything that you found to be helpful as kind of thinking about, you know, rebalancing, I hate to kind of use some of these product terms, but just anything that's been useful to you as you like reflecting or, or, or adjusting. I think the three things that I've done have been number one, recognizing when your goals change. I think that's really important because sometimes you think you want to do X and maybe you learn along the way that you don't want to do X. You want to do Y, but you hold on to X because you've been talking about X for years. So just being really aware of like what it is that you want and why. Um, And I don't have a, I don't have a system for this. It's just like something, you know, a gut check that you need to keep doing. Um, I think the second thing is um, understanding like what mode you're in. So in sometimes in a career, you're in a, you're, you're just like a sponge. You're learning everything. You're soaking it all in. And then sometimes it's the other way, right? You're, you're sharing, you're distrib- you're creating content. You are a leader. You're potentially managing, you know, helping to manage like per- particular people, whatever it may be. So just like recognizing the stage that I'm in, I think is super helpful. And then the last piece I think is just like, trying to think of work as a, like, as a part of my entire life. And so making sure that I'm, I'm good on all the other facets as well. And if I'm not for any particular reason, like what is impacting that and how can like work help alleviate it? Or, you know, why am I not happy with like my health routine? Is it because I don't have enough time to exercise or whatever it may be? So um, yeah, those are like the three, I, I would say questions or things that I think about. And I imagine I'll keep adding to that, but so far that's been useful. Cool. And uh, talk to us a little bit about um, kind of co-founding your own DAO and what, what, you know, kind of what you learned from that and, and why you were interested in doing that and, you know, kind of sharing more about kind of the DAO process and, and um, yeah, creating it. Yeah. So, so I co-founded a DAO called Comorabi and Comorabi is basically um, an investment DAO that's funding female founders, um, female and non-binary founders in the crypto web three space. And the way that it started out was really just coming together with a few folks in the industry, women in blockchain, she 256 and saying like, we all want to write more checks to women or we want to see more dollars going to women. I don't necessarily, you know, I don't necessarily do that focused in my day to day, right? I'm investing across the entire space, but I think having a little more of a focused vehicle to do that would be interesting. But on the other hand, like I want this to be a community driven mission. And so we went the DAO route because we could incorporate members from the community. It's a little bit less overhead. It allows us to like 
make decisions as a group. And so that's kind of why we went the DAO route. And then my learnings from it so far have just been pretty amazing, to be honest, actually, like just go through the process of like, you know, if you're, we, we hear all these like things on Twitter about what DAOs are and how they pro- you know, work and what's the governance look like, and then you actually do it. And it's just a whole different ballgame of like understanding the nuances of like, you know, understanding jurisdictional law or taxes, or what does it mean if you set up an LLC? How do you uh, send investments to portfolio companies? How do we want to support them? Like all of this stuff has been really fun to just figure out in a community like oriented way and also been challenging. And I think for me personally, I was so driven to do this at, in the beginning because I was like, okay, my goal is like action, right? I want the dollars to be going towards women. And six months later, eight months later, what I'm realizing is that it's also just like the most amazing like group of people that I've found, right? I've just like made these amazing friends as well within the, within the DAO. And so I'm just super thankful for that and having like that camaraderie as well, in addition to, to being able to do this. So it's been great. And so it's, it sounds like it's this, this new structure that's kind of, right. There's like projects, right? Like we're having, you know, a, a great project here, great collaboration here. Uh, but within the DAO and an investment DAO, you're able to then, you know, as you mentioned, bring the people that you want into and then you know, write checks and do, you know, kind of real work. That's pretty interesting of how the DAO structures, you know, a um, community cooperative, collaborative company to some extent, right? Or, and I know that that's getting into some, some, some definitions and stuff that I might not know as well as you do, but, but, but that's just really interesting, right? As a way to bring people together to like chat, talk, et cetera, but then actually put it to work. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think at the end of the day, like if you use a DAO or if you have a company, you are, you still have to do the work, right? Like you still have to have meetings and, you know, have your like product be developed and designed and, you know, built all like whatever it is that you're doing, it still has to happen. But I think the fundamental difference is really when it, what comes down to like community decision-making and then also the structure of how, um, like how things are discussed. It's just like very open, very transparent. And in some instances, like, you know, we've, we've started to like see committees emerge in DAOs so that there's faster decision-making, but like, there's all this, I think committees does not necessarily mean hierarchy. Like the hierarchy does not exist to the same extent. And the best part about it is that it's people on the internet that come together. Whereas like in my day-to-day, if I wanted to, to do a project, a lot of times I have to tap into like my existing network but like DAOs are just kind of like forming online just from pure people having the same interests and hobbies, which I think is really cool. And then being able to like use crypto to facilitate the financial aspects of it. So in many ways, yeah, it is like it, the key, like important, important pieces to remember is that it's community driven and that it's um, enabled by the community as well, right? Like this is very much a bottoms up movement um, or at least it should be a bottoms up movement. And so does, does, do you think that that's like that structure, as you mentioned, just like people coming online, like h- how do you see that playing out to, um, you know, kind of future of work or knowledge workers or careers? Like, do you see people in five DAOs and that's their full-time thing? You know, h- how are you kind of seeing that uh, in your day-to-day these days? Yeah. So I, I think the ra- there's like a radical idea here to be had where maybe it's not that radical, but it sounds a little bit radical to me, at least, is that. If you work in tech today, you pick a company and you're effectively saying that 
you know, my wealth is tied to the success or the outcomes of this company. That's just kind of like how the early stage tech scene works, right? You either are going to get an exit or you're not. In the DAO world, you have an opportunity to, instead of picking one project, say, maybe I want to pick two or three. I don't necessarily advise you go pick 10. But my point is that like you can contribute to multiple and kind of build a portfolio and say, these are the types of projects that I want to be working on. And rather than have one option at a time, I get, I get a little bit of like diversity in my portfolio by choosing to go work for multiple DAOs, having like the freedom and flexibility to, to kind of work on my own hours and do like my own, just, you know, have autonomy. And I think that that concept of like treating your career as a more like fluid role where you're not necessarily just wearing one hat, but you're wearing multiple hats is a trend that we've been seeing for like 15 years play out with side hustles and creators and all these things. And I think DAOs are just like, in some ways, the next evolution of that, where even like your main job might just be, you know, plugging into a couple of these different projects. Now, there's obviously like limitations and downsides to this. I think some could argue that um, it's good to focus on one thing. That's number one. Uh, some could also argue that it's challenging when DAOs don't necessarily have structures in place for decision making. So it can be difficult to to kind of move things forward because you don't know exactly what you're you know, what the decision like trajectory looks like. And then the last piece is obviously being a freelancer, being a creator is glamorized a lot more these days um, when in reality it is challenging and, you know, you have to figure out real world things like benefits and insurance and and all that stuff. So um, I'm not saying that it's a silver bullet again, like I'm very careful about that, but I do think that there's a potential for, for people to work for DAOs in the future and say like, you know, this is my new model of saying these are the three to four more pro- projects that I'm most excited about and then getting paid out in those, you know, respective tokens. And what what skills do you think are um, like, you know, and kind of going back to the kind of the initial tech model that we were talking about, right, which was like uh, working at one startup and hoping that there's an exit, et cetera. Um, and in that case, you know, there's designers, product managers, uh, software engineers, and more, but what what kind of skills or roles do you see are kind of emerging and are, are valuable in the DAO world? Yeah, so I would say all of the above still hold. We still need engineers and you know product managers and designers um, to a certain extent. I think that all is is still there. The two or three areas that I think are new and or, or it, maybe not new, but like of outsized importance in the DAO world. Um, number one is community managers. If you have a really effective community manager, that's going to just pay off in spades. Um, it sets the tone for um, how you communicate, like what people are doing in the community, all of that. So that's number one. Number two, I think, is um, treasury management. So having like an understanding, I mean, you know, there's an analog to like a CFO basically, but having, a, you know, having some treasury management is important because at the end of the day, like capital allocation is what allows your any organization to scale and move into like a long-term horizon, um, you need to be able to like manage your uh, capital. So that's number two, I would say. And then the third, I would say is more along the likes of like, what does a, almost like an, like an evangelizer look like? Like there's all these DAOs that have these people, these spokespeople that just kind of like pick up the community and decide that they want to go and talk about it and spread the work that they're doing and like pick up, you know, all sorts of odds and ends. 
So I'm calling it the evangelizer, but I think that that's like a general role that I'm starting to see naturally form. And I know I said three, but I would say the last piece is just like understanding how to design like token incentives or some sort of like economic perspective is, is useful, particularly in, in DAOs that are more protocol oriented. So like a DeFi DAO, I think is going to be very different than say, you know, friends with benefits, which is like more social oriented. Ambassador. I was thinking hype person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's the, the beauty of a DAO is that if you feel passionate enough about it, like the community becomes the hype people. We've seen this happen over and over again, like, because your community is, they're the owners of the DAO, like they're the users, they're the owners. And then like, they go out and say like, Hey, I feel like I belong in this community. You should come join me because of X, Y, and Z. And then they become, become like the hype person for it. In some instances that can work really, really well. And, and in some instances it maybe feels a little bit like too much, but I think when it happens organically, that's like the best, it's, you know, the best signs of like success, I would say. And how do people find DAOs? Uh, is there like a directory? Is there, uh, obviously Twitter is great. And in, in, in the moment you kind of see things, but is there like a kind of a directory? There are a few people that are working on directories, I would say. Like Forefront is a great community that is a DAO itself, but they have a, a list of DAOs or a list of like social, I think social DAOs on their website. Um, and then there's a few others that do have a directory, but I'm blanking on the name of one of them, but maybe we find it, we can include it in like the notes, but um, there are a few places, but I would say Twitter is probably the best place still to find it, which I think there's a lot of people working on the problem of, of discovery. And is the, is the key to kind of join the DAO in the beginning, so to speak, just similar to like joining a startup in the beginning kind of thing. Like you want to be there when, you know, before the, the series B, so to speak. Yeah. I actually think um, a big part, a big thing that we're trying to figure out now is like how, yeah, how like how to incentivize long-term contributors to a DAO even after it's like, you know, you've done it, you, you've been in, it's been around for a year or two, like not making it so it's only incentivizing early adopters, but more about like long-term cyclical growth. Because at the end of the day, like you're holding an, when you're in a DAO that has a token, like you're holding an asset that is effectively already held by the public. There is no public event at that point, right? you already are an owner of, of the, the broader organization. So, um, I think it's just about like figuring out ways to incentivize long-term user like adoption and not like you join early and then that's it. And then I think the second question is like, how big should a DAO be? Um, I don't know if it's like clear if DAOs should be more than, I don't know, certain number of people. Like, I think there's going to be some really successful DAOs that are like under 50 people. And I think there's going to be some really successful DAOs that might be like thousands of people, but they're going to look very different. And they're probably going to have different like metrics for success and goals. I think we both know about one that's under 50, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, and, and then just as part of this kind of online, you mentioned kind of the trends of the last 15 years and how more people are spending online and just how things are changing. Anything else that kind of jumps out to you in terms of like how people are creating their portfolio careers, um, different ways that you've seen people um, separate from the DAO um, example, but anything else that kind of jumps out that you've seen has been been working? I guess what I would say is just like going out and uh, like thinking of yourself as again, thinking of yourself as like a, your career as a product and 
you're like the entrepreneur, right? Like you can, you can build it however you want. Um, so I'd say like the thing that works for me is, is saying if my time, you know, my time is a hundred percent at, you know, how much time do I want to devote to like each thing? And how does that tie back to like my longer term goals or my even like intermediate goals of like what I want to do? So something that I've seen is um, building like smaller side projects that I can like ship quickly. I find to be really fulfilling because the nature of investing is that it's more long-term oriented and you don't necessarily have like a tangible output per se right? Like I'm not building a product at the end, at the end of the day, but I do get a lot of joy from doing that. And so I've, I've used writing and I use like, you know, things like Colmarabi and other, a few other projects that I'm involved with to say, like, how can I just like continue to like push myself on certain skills that I want to develop and ship faster for certain other things. And I feel like that helps me balance out in my day-to-day role. And so I, I just, I would always like suggest just thinking of like your career as being like multidimensional and like working on your, your strengths whenever you can and doubling down on them and like figuring out what areas you want to like spend more time doing. Yeah. I have a, a, like a little bit of an idea that sometimes people are kind of like one email away from who knows podcast or uh, a new job or uh, a new project. Has there been anything like that that has like jumped out to you of like, I don't know how this happened, <laughs> but uh, it was completely unexpected at the time, but it turned into something really magical. Is there anything like that that jumps out to you, Kendall? Yeah. I mean, I, I am like a hundred percent a believer in that, which is why I, I think you should recognize when you're in a yes mode of your life and you just say yes to things because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I got this job. So I've been at blockchain capital for almost three and a half or four years. Um, and I got the job because I said yes to getting coffee with someone when I was on vacation in San Francisco, visiting a girlfriend. And, you know, two months later I packed up my life and moved across the country. So it was completely serendipitous. The fact that I even got this role, um, and it has completely changed my life. So like, obviously that's a bigger, a bigger example, but I think it happens all the time. Like you just never know, uh, you know, sometimes there's, there's even like a, like a conference or something that I like, didn't really want to, maybe I didn't really want to go to it. And I ended up like pushing myself to go to, and I ended up coming out of it with like, you know, some great new friends that I have ended up becoming friends with for the past like year or two. It's like, who would have thought that, you know, going, saying yes to this conference could have resulted in a friendship that like, I really value today. So just like always believe in the power of like saying yes, obviously don't, you know, don't like force it if it's really not right. But like being open to possibilities is I think important. On vacation. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. (laughs) And then has it, has it become easier to take on more projects as you've stayed in your current role for a little while? Is that Um, or is it part of kind of the nature of where things are moving? Yeah, no, I think, I think it's become easier. Um, I think part of it is just like being more comfortable in my role. And then also knowing that I, a lot of what I do, like they're not disparate, like they're not, they don't, you know, they all kind of fit together into the same puzzle, like overall picture. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not kind of doing something that is like way out in left field. I'm doing things that I think are additive to like my overall picture. And I do think what's, what's actually harder to manage is now 
like prioritization more than anything. And like being really like being just really thoughtful about how I prioritize things and consider like continuously evolving that. But, um, but it has become easier to a certain extent because I, I, um, yeah, I've like figured out ways to let, like get more leverage on my time, which is nice. Well, makes me even more grateful for your time here as you're talking about prioritization. Um, so thank you so much, Kendall. Uh, is there, um, anything else that you think that we missed on this topic of kind of portfolio careers, how, how web three is, uh, endows are kind of changing things and, and yeah, is there anything else that you'd want to share? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. I, we're definitely on the brink of something new. Um, and I'm excited to see where, where everything goes from here. Cool. Um, and, um, please let people know where they can um, stay in touch and continue to learn from you. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is underscore Kindle B Shaw. Yeah. And my DMS are open. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kendall. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.